Welcome back to the Equine Connection Podcast. This is Chris. Today, just so, so excited to introduce Rosie Napravnik. Hey, Rosie, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? And thanks for having me. Oh, we're just, thank you. We know how incredibly busy you are. And just really quick, Rosie is an incredibly successful thoroughbred jockey. She's ran in multiple Breeder Cup races, Triple Crown races. Today, she's training. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but training horses coming off the track and then also doing some rehabilitation work. So we're all going to get in that today. But Rosie, first, can you just you know expand upon that a little bit and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I actually grew up on a farm in New Jersey. Uh, my mother was a an, an uh, a riding instructor um, in the discipline of eventing. So we're we're actually getting ready to watch the Olympics yep. <laughs> and uh, getting geared up for the eventing part of that. Um, so I grew up riding in pony club, and my mother was an instructor. My father was a farrier. So horses just like really close from you know before I could walk and obviously was up on ponies when I was very young. Um, I got into pony racing when I was seven and that was when I decided I wanted to be a jockey and uh, just through the years made my way to the racetrack and started riding professionally as an apprentice um, in 2005 and I rode for nine and a half years before I uh, retired and have had a few kids now and uh, still very, very involved in the thoroughbred racetrack, uh, retraining off-track horses and also rehabbing active resources. So it's been, you know, thoroughbreds have really been my whole life, <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> I, I did spend a couple of seasons at the racetrack there in Del Mar in California. And it's just something about those horses that draw you in, right? Like, it's just, they're so beautiful. They're such incredible athletes. I just remember the the feel of the track in the morning and, and the training. And, and I have to say from, from my standpoint, watching your peers, you know, riding and, and training in the mornings and then the afternoon races. Wow. What respect for, for, for your skills. So I guess I'd like to ask you, know, when did your love for horses begin? When, when did you really start to fall in love with these animals? You know, I, I don't even know if I could even remember that, you know, being born into it, born into horses, it, we were just around them all the time and things, you know, were just naturally geared toward horses. And so I can't say that there was a time I remember falling in love with horses. Um, that was just probably before I could remember, but there was definitely a time where I fell in love with racing. And that was when I was about six and, um, my sister had actually gotten into pony racing through pony club and my mother was kind of not letting me start yet. I was only six. So it was kind of hard to turn your kid loose on a pony going as fast as I can. Um, so when I look back, I'm like, God, I can't even believe that she was able to hold me back for a whole year <laughs> um, or for however long. But, um, but it was when I was seven that I really got hooked on horse racing and I didn't even have very much exposure to it at all. Um, I had, we didn't have TV or anything. So it's mm -hmm. not, we didn't, I didn't watch the races. We didn't live near a racetrack uh, or any, we didn't have any, you know, knowledge about the racetrack, but there uh, we were given a VHS tape called the jewels of the triple crown. Mm -hmm. And 
since we didn't have TV, we would just like watch the VHS tapes that we had over and over and over again. And so I watched this VHS of the jewels of the triple crown over and over and over again. And like, I knew all the triple crown stories and um, it was just so captivating watching that and, and going fast on my pony at that age. Um, and, and that was literally when I, I mean, I had tunnel vision of that from when I was seven and then I just went and did it. <laughs> Luckily I had very supportive parents <laughs> and a, a good, good village behind me. So, um, but I was horses forever, but racing since I was about seven years old. Right. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, all of us that have been involved in, in the industry or, or own horses or around horses, we just always remember that that first contact. Can you remember your very first like race as a kid where you really ran and just that, that, that adrenaline? Yes. Um, I remember my very first pony race was when I was seven years old, I was riding a 12 hand Welsh mountain pony mm-hmm. who's actually bred to be like fancy little show pony. And he did that too. Um, and it was at the Brandywine point to point in Delaware Valley, uh, Brandywine, Pennsylvania, I believe. And um, I mean, I remember we, actually, I was just talking with my mother and my sister the other day when I was visiting with them and they were arguing about what my first race was. And my sister was saying it was one race. And my mom was saying it's the other race. And I was like, I can tell you, I remember every single thing about my first race still to this day. Like I remember pulling in, I remember, you know, being by the trailers, getting the ponies ready. I remember walking the course. Like I remember every single thing from that very first pony race when I was seven years old. And I do remember, I can tell you like walking the course. So that basically, so you know where you're going because they're running in fields and around all kinds of different turns and around flags and beacons and stuff like that. And so this race was actually quite straight, but it was literally up straight up and down hills, like the whole time. And I was kind of a little bit nervous as, as a kid walking the course. So, um, Anyway, I finished last in the race, but I remember almost everything from that day. And it was just like, yep, this is what I want to do. Like, when's the next race? You know, so it was I was just hooked right away. You know, leading me to my next question, because obviously, you, you know, had such a huge, successful career. It, I could just imagine the number of amazing horses you've swung your leg over to ride. Like, wow, these 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 are top athletes. You're a top athlete, but the horses themselves too. But there's one that, that really stands out and that is sugar. And what is it about this horse? What's the special connection that led you to continue the journey with sugar after racing? So, yeah. Uh, you know, especially considering the amount of horses that you encounter in your career span at the racetrack, whether you're a jockey or an exercise rider or a trainer or a hot walker or whatever, you just handle so many horses. And, you know, it's kind of like riding somebody else's bike. They're all kind of the same, but they're all very different. And, um, so sugar was a horse. I was, it was 2008. So I had, I was about two or three years into my career. I had quite a bit of success at Laurel park uh, Delaware park. He was a horse that was in a barn that I was riding regularly for uh, Ferris Allen's barn. And I was there to breeze horses that that morning. And I think it was, you know, I usually bred breeze like about two or three for Ferris almost every day. 
so I was over in his barn and around came a horse that was, you know, for me to get on. And it was just a horse I'd never seen before, but he's, he's a, he was a dapple gray. So, you know, it's hard not to catch everyone's attention, just being that colorful. And, and, you know, he was a very good looking horse all around. So, you know, first of all, you never mind getting on a good looking horse, right? But then, you know, they're not all the same. So I get on them and I, by the time I had walked around the shed row and to the racetrack before we even stepped foot on the track, I just, I loved him. He was just classy and just exuded class and just had like kind of presence about him where he really like demanded your attention. And he was very, very sweet and kind hearted horse. And here again, like I remember everything from that day that I first saw sugar. And so I warmed him up for a breeze and he just, you know, on a nice long rain, nice relaxed trot back to the, to the finish line. And then we would start, we'd turn around and start our gallop to the, to the half mile pole for the breeze. And <laughs> I'll never forget. Like he, he kind of tricked me. They were so calm and cool and relaxed. I turned around like just with this long hold and I'm just going to sit up there pretty. And then he completely took off with me. <laughs> and every time I breezed him from that point on, I could always get him like to the pole before where I was supposed to start. So I always started the breeze early because I just couldn't hold him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I rode him for Ferris. I rode a couple races for Ferris. He was claimed from Ferris. Um, to I believe Scott Lake or Kira McGee. I can't remember the order, but I rode him for like three different trainers. I want to race on him maybe for each of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I rode him seven times. I guess I only won two races on him. And then uh, he was claimed away uh, and moved to Suffolk Downs. And I don't know why, you know, there's lots of horses, especially if you ask Ferris Allen, he'll tell you, I've said a hundred horses are my favorite horse. Um, but there was something about him that made me actually go ahead when he was claimed and taken to a different track on the East coast where I wasn't going to get to ride him anymore. I put him like in my virtual stable and kept track of him. And he went to like a lower track. So of course, when they go to a lower track, then their price increases. So he was running for 10,000 instead of 5,000. Then he ran for eight and then five. And then he shipped down to Philadelphia park and ran for five. And, um, I actually had somebody claim him for me just to retire him. I just, he was just, he was my actual favorite horse. I didn't, I mean, I was riding. I didn't really have time for a horse, but it was my, he was my very first horse of my adult life. And, um, I sent him to my mother who was, um, had a barn of eventing horses and students and whatnot. And I said, just, you know, train him, use him for your students, compete him, whatever you want to do. Like, I just want to come down when I have time once a month, you know, and ride him and go cross country, you know, getting back into like my eventing routes, like just running and jumping basically. Um, and that's exactly what we did. And he was just amazing. And, uh, it was, it was then that he was, you know, I was super inspired by the process of him learning a new job. It was something that I have never really been through before with a horse, like personally, you know, that very first from track to farm and the transition And I actually only saw it once a month, you know, so I got to see like the progress Mm -hmm. and it was, it was just so inspiring how the thoroughbreds are just so eager to please and willing to learn new things. And they're so intelligent and they're so happy to do the job. So that was really what was most inspiring to me. And, you know, another 10 years later (laughs) or less than 10 years, actually, you know, that's now what I'm doing. So 
it was sugar is definitely who started it all for me. That's a fascinating story. And one thing in there, I, I, I chuckled was only won two races with him. <laughs> he won races with them. I mean, that's, that's just amazing. And then, yeah, I mean, I've always said, you know, a lot of people, you know, everyone loves their horse. Right. And I was, mm-hmm. and I always think to myself, I'm like, not many people have the connection with their horse that I have with my horse, you know, especially an off track thoroughbred. I should say an off track. Everyone loves their off track thoroughbreds because they are so, you know, they're so inspiring to, to everybody who rides them really, but not many people have the connection of actually riding them in a race, winning races, that sort of thing. So it, yeah, it is really definitely a very special connection between sugar and I. Yeah. And, and how's he doing today? So he's 20 years old now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you would, you wouldn't know it. Um, but he is, um, so I, you know, I have my, my off track training business and I have my rehab business, but I also started teaching students. And so he has, um, a couple of students that ride him at a very introductory level of eventing. And he just absolutely loves it. Like he doesn't care if he's jumping 18 inches or three and a half feet. He's just as excited about it and takes care of everybody. And, um, he's just, it's right. Like at this point, it just melts my heart to watch him mm-hmm. take care of these people, um, in teaching them sort of the rope. So, I mean, it's just, I say to him every time, like we were just hacking kind of on a trail ride today with my student on him. And I say to him all the time, like every time she's riding him, I just look over and I say, you did a great job today, sugar. Like, you know, he's just like, he just is what he is. He's just, he's just a great guy. And, you know, we've just been through a lot of life together. So I, I, that there should be a book in there about this relationship with you, with him. So. <laughs> there could be, there certainly could be. It's just, it's just so amazing to listen to you talk about that special relationship with sugar and then how it has led you into this career of taking these thoroughbreds off the racetrack and giving them second careers. So what do you find most rewarding about that kind of work? Yeah, so it it was really kind of ironic when I started this retraining business. It wasn't exactly something that I said, I'm going to retire and then I'm going to start a retraining business. You know, I went into training as an assistant for my husband and I was at the racetrack and the hours with, you know, being pregnant twice was a little over the top. Right. <laughs> but, um so I started competing sugar and just kind of getting back into it, like for fun. And, but what it, what was so ironic about it is like, I realized when I retired, I was sort of lost. Like I didn't know what I want. I didn't know what my purpose was. And, you know, a lot of people are like, but you're a parent, that's what your purpose is. And I'm right there with you. Like I am 110% into my kids and loving that job but I've always been so involved with horses. So it was just natural for me to need to do something with horses. And I did not plan to start a retraining business. I just kind of got into it with sugar after I retired and he'd already been started by my mother years ago. So it wasn't like I was starting from scratch with him, but I, I went back to starting eventing, which I hadn't done since I was 12. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to go through the process with him. In the meantime, he had gone my mother had retrained him for a little bit and then he had gone to the racetrack and was ponying at the racetrack. I mean, he did everything. He did photo shoots with me, um, for magazines. Like he's, he's kind of done everything. So we got into competing and then 
we got to a certain level where it was like, you know, he's got a laundry list of injuries that kind of, you know, it's not worth taking him to the next level, jumping higher than he's jumping. And um, at that point, I had gotten another horse uh, of my husband's who retired with, you know, a suspensory injury. So kind of same situation. But that horse was my first horse that I started from scratch all by myself, you know, from racetrack to the farm, did the whole transition. And between the two of them, kind of seeing where you're starting and where you're trying to get to, that is where I started to really get inspired to like get more horses and get more younger horses. And, um, and then once I was, once that year, I actually took the other horse, my husband's horse Aztec raid to the retired racehorse project, their red makeover in 2017. And having had that experience with him made me really excited to, you know, see what else I could do or, you know, see what other horses are out there. And so the following year I got two more out of Joe's barn who are younger horses and, started them from scratch. And, um, you know, it was a really, it was a really grueling process of like, okay, I'm a really good rider and I ride really well, but I know nothing <laughs> like, getting back into eventing. Like I have to really tap into like, you know, I, and I stopped at a really young age. I was 12 when I did my last event. So I had to really invest a lot of time in education, getting riding lessons. And, you know, I knew that there was a good rider in me somewhere and I just had to really figure out again, how to ride in that discipline um, and how to like further my education, even from where I left off 15 years ago. So um, I did invest a lot of time in, in, you know, my education and eventing and riding and restarting horses. And I was lucky enough to, um, to become friends and, uh, and my coach became Dorothy Kroll, who is an Olympic eventer who rode a horse called Molokai in the Olympics and, um, they won a silver medal. And so she's kind of the master of off-track thoroughbreds. And I decided that I was going to soak up everything I could from what she knew and, uh, many other off-track thoroughbreds that she worked with. So I just, you know, still learning all the time, every day, loving the process you know, the most rewarding part is seeing the horses transform in a relatively short period of time. Like they are just so trainable and so willing to please. Um, it's always sort of the same thing. Even if they're more difficult, it's mostly probably because they're untrusting and, and don't just don't know. So, you know, constantly always working with a new personality that I've never worked be with before or, you know, a new quirk or a new this or a new that new challenge. Um, and it's just, they all sort of make it to the other side in their own fashion and timing. And uh, this year I've been served with some especially difficult horses. So it's, um, it's always a challenge, but it's always just so intriguing to see what comes through the program and how they transform. And I just feel like I'm in a time in my life where like I am a sponge and I'm just soaking stuff up. And one day I'll have lots of good things to tell somebody. <laughs> <You know? laughs> one day I'll have so much experience to share with someone, but right now it's just, it's a, you know, I've, I've kind of accidentally formed into a program of the way that I do things and, you know, have found that work. And um, I just really love, I just really love watching the horses transform. And, and especially then taking that further and then, you know, 
the the end goal is finding them a match with like you know a forever person and mm-hmm. or someone that will take their to their fullest potential in their new career. Mm-hmm. So that is the most rewarding part is really making the matches at the end. That, that's an incredible story. So that's that started off track sport horses, right? That's your your business today. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I was trying to trying to be slightly different than everybody else yeah. <laughs> with the off track red so off track sport horses it is yeah and um that's sort of the the training barn operation that i have here at at the farm well talking about that so we're very honored that you chose tribute to be part of the story and, and just really quickly if you can tell our listeners what led you to choose our feeds for your program yeah so um I, like I said, I, there was two years where I worked, um, and like immediately after I retired and I was pregnant, I started working as my husband's assistant who had just a month before we found out I was pregnant, had gone out on his own training. Like, what, what were we thinking? I don't know. But, um, so, uh, so he had, um, he was using tribute at the racetrack for the racehorses. And when I, when I started like really competing and I don't even remember what I was feeding at the time, it was probably like the closest local feed or whatever. Um, when I like first had like our first three or four horses here out at the farm, which were, you know, pony horses or whatever and sugar, of course. So when I started like competing and, and really, you know, riding every day and kind of getting serious about what I wanted to do, and getting more horses, I was like, I really need to figure out, you know, what the nutrition is. And it it wasn't just nutrition, but like, I need to figure out everything about managing a barn. Like I had, my mother managed a very big barn when I was little. So I saw all the moving parts and, you know, I managed at the racetrack, but managing horses at the farm is completely different, especially with, um, you know, the nutritional aspects. So I realized I needed to figure out, you know, what, what was going to be, you know, what, what I was going to feed, what supplements I was going to feed. Like, you know, I went through a process when I first had sugar where I was even just boarding him, but I was, you know, the sole person responsible for this horse. And I was like, Oh, I should probably have some butte on hand or some vet wrap on hand in case of emergency. You know, like I went through this whole transition to myself. I'm like, Oh, I am the one responsible for the horse's care. Okay. You know, we're at the racetrack. Everything's kind of like, Mm-hmm. you know, the feed man comes, the vet's right there. Every, you know, everyone is right there at your fingertips and at the farm, it's not quite that way. So, um, and you know, nutrition was just another part of that. Like, what am I going to feed? What am I, you know, what are my horses going to be doing? What is going to be the best nutritional plan for them? And tribute was just kind of a no brainer having seen the way the horses performed on it at the racetrack. And then, you know, exploring what would be their best feed for what I'm doing. Um, and I've just been so pleased with the results. I have actually had somebody that worked worked for me, um, you know, just kind of doing barn chores, turning in and out, cleaning, feeding stalls, blah, blah, blah. And um, she said to me, she goes, your off-track thoroughbreds are kind of like a different species. Like they just are so easy to work with. And, uh, and I'm like, I think it's really the nutrition plan, like the management and nutrition and the turnout and this and that. And, um, and so I, you know, I felt like that, I felt that way about several different phases of starting the business is like, it all comes back to the nutrition and just really having 
that feed program that fits what you're doing and, you know, the performance and the, you know, the mindset of the horse too. So I have just had so much success. I get compliments on my, the way my horses look all the time um, and they feel fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's really where you, where you get your information from is, you know, how do they look and how do they feel Mm -hmm. and, and what are they eating basically is what it is. So tribute was a no brainer having come from the racetrack and then, you know, doing quite a bit of performance here. So. Well, thank you so much for that, Rosie. I just, uh, it does start with, with diet and, and it's so important to the horses. I know you're incredibly busy. You've got a lot of horses out there probably waiting to get fed again. Really quick, can you tell our listeners how to learn more about off-track sport horses? Yeah, sure. So I have a website, um, which is called rosieofftrack.com. And um, so on the website, it kind of explains who I am, where I came from, what I do, and, um, you know, some about the program. There's a lot that could be added to the website. I've done videos for America's Best Racing that are not on there. Lots of stuff, but um, there's also, um, I believe, a link to new vocations, um, which I work with hand in hand, especially um, related to the Louisiana division. Um, so there's lots of information on the website. Website it's rosieofftrack.com, and then uh, on Facebook, which I know like totally shows my age. That Facebook is my <laughs> main platform. It's so okay. Weird. It's- it's so weird. I have a 16 year old stepdaughter and she's like, like, what is Facebook? You know? Um, but on Facebook is probably the main social platform that I use at this point. Um, and it's Rosie Napravnik off track thoroughbred off track sport horse, sorry, Rosie Napravnik off track sport horses on Facebook. And we post a lot of videos there. Um, I, I do have an Instagram and a Twitter account, Instagram. Sometimes I'll get into posting videos there, but I can't seem to like consistently get myself to that platform. Although I know that I really should. Uh, so right now on Facebook, Rosie Napravnik off track sport horses, lots of video content there, which I love, like just day-to-day stuff and, um, you know, lots of new horses and new people learning new things. So it's super fun, uh, to watch the videos on there, um, and, you know, contact information on there and everything like that as well. Great. I will, I will definitely link those in the show notes so people can look and, and click straight to your website to get that information. But Thank you so much for spending time with us. I know how busy you are, especially with two little kids and all those horses outside waiting for you. Rosie Napravnik, an incredible jockey, an incredible trainer. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been great and thanks for having me.